0: Today's episode is brought to you by Ronin Tattoo at 2615 Broad, the only five-star rated shop in Memphis. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 4 to midnight. Ronin is a judgment-free shop with affordable pricing and high-quality tattoo work. Make your appointment today at roninmemphis at gmail or call 901-371-6923. Mention OAM and get 10% off. Stay tuned to hear more about our friends at Ronan.
1: Theoamnetwork.com. Power to the podcast.
0: Good evening. Thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Welcome to Spill It. Woo! Spill It! is true stories told in front of a live audience. Everyone has a story. Are you ready to Spill It? Hey everybody and welcome to Spill It! In today's episode, you'll be hearing the winner and the runner-up from our last Spill it Slam event, which was called Change of Atmospheres. Change of Atmosphere took place on March 22nd at B-Side at Minglewood Hall. You'll be hearing stories from our runner-up, Gary Blevins, and our winner, Barbara Hope. Gary Blevins.
2: I like the red mood lighting. That's classy. So, uh, change of atmosphere. And... So to me, a change of atmosphere can be something as simple as the change of seasons, which today was a perfect example of, what a gorgeous day, and I'm sure we all enjoyed that. I hope we did anyway. But it can also be something a little bit more profound, where there's a shift in how you think about the the world and and your world. Now, I I think of myself as a cynic, right? I, I have a hard time believing in anything without evidence. And to that end, I try to share that with people. Particularly children. Um, so, one of my favorite things to do is to tell children tall tales, right? Just like wildly tall tales. I tell them these stories until they strain such credulity that they stop believing me, okay? And there's a moment where you can see they go, oh, wait a minute. And there's a big shift in how they think. And for me, I, one, I think it's a lot of fun to just kind of have the fun with them, but it also puts a a a moment in their head where they have to realize that not everything an adult is going to tell them is going to be true, right? And I think that's important. Now, some people think that makes me a jerk, but I'll leave that that to you to decide. So a couple of examples of this. uh, I once tried to convince my niece that uh, rubber was harvested from rubber trees by monkeys in a factory. I almost had her believing. But my favorite though, I I have another niece and I convinced her for a long time that uh, Reindeer could actually talk, and that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer wrote a novel, and when she stopped believing me is when I told her it was a horror novel. So that's when she, that's when she gave me the, the sideways kind of puppy dog like, what? Uh, so my son, when he was uh, six years old, uh, my wife and I and my son were in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, Columbus does a huge St. Patrick's Day parade. So we were up there for St. Patrick's Day parade, Columbus, Ohio's in the house. They do a huge uh, St. Patrick's Day parade, and so we went up there, and while we were there, I bought a, um, a leprechaun hat, right? It's like a green sequin hat, you know, it's a classic St. Patrick's Day thing, and it's got sequins on it, and it's shiny, and clearly my son didn't see me buy this thing. I bought it off some cart, right? He clearly didn't see me buy it, so I, I put it on, and he says, Daddy, where'd you get the hat? And I immediately jump into a story, and I said, well, when I was on my way up here, I saw at a gas station and there was a rainbow that ran behind the gas station. So I ran behind the gas station and sure enough, there was the end of the rainbow with a pot of gold and a leprechaun. And, he, and his, his eyes got real big and I said, yeah, I said, it was amazing. I said, I told the leprechaun, I said, hey, you know, I found your, the end of the rainbow. Do I get the pot of gold? And he says, oh no. And of course, did the whole Irish accent. the whole bit. No, you don't get nothing. You don't get no pot of gold. You get nothing. And, I'm, and he's completely engrossed in this story. And so... And he said, no, you kind of have the gold. And I said, well, well, what do I get? He says, oh, you get nothing. And he jumps up. He kicks me in the nuts. I grab his hat, and he disappears. (laughs) Right? So I tell him this story, and he laughs. and, And I don't think anything else about it. We spend the rest of the day at the parade, and then we go to the Columbus Zoo, which is amazing. And I don't think anything about it. Seven years later. My son is 13, he's in the eighth grade, and comes home from school, and I can see he's mad. He takes his book bag and he slams it down on the floor and he says, Dad, leprechauns are not real. And I lost it, right? I fell over laughing. So so he... He tells me that leprechauns aren't real, and I and I immediately remember the story that I told him so many years ago. And he says that he was talking to his friends at school, and somehow leprechauns came up. and And he said, "Oh no, leprechauns are real. My father saw one behind a gas station, and he kicked him in the nuts, and he stole his hat." <laughs> so all of his buddies are looking at him like he's got seventeen heads, right? Like, oh my god. So so I felt bad for him, right? Because like, I thought he got the joke, right? Like when he was six, I thought he got the joke. But he clearly didn't get the joke, and I should say that like our house is fairly cynical. Like he never believed in Santa, he didn't believe in the Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, none of it, right? But he believed that leprechauns were real for a long damn time. So, so I don't know if that makes me a jerk or not, but I'll, I'll let you decide. But the so now he's older. He's 22 years old. He's in the Navy. He's married. He's got a dog, and eventually he's going to uh, have kids, and he'll have access to nieces and nephews that he can tell these kinds of stories to. And I'm looking forward to that time because I will back up every story he has to tell so that he can have the joy of having one of those kids come to him years later to to yell at him that this thing was not true. And And I hope that I'm there when that happens. So thank you.
0: Memphis, if you're looking for a judgment-free shop to get your first or next tattoo, look no further than Ronan Tattoo at 2615 Broad. Owner Babak has been in the business for decades. Located in the heart of Broad Avenue Arts, his boutique shop Ronan is known for its relaxed atmosphere and talented, versatile group of artists. They also have an eclectic collection of comics and toys for sale, and the background music runs the gamut from black metal to 80s hair. Ronin has developed a cult following over the past as the only five-star rated tattoo shop in the city. Here are some of the things that people are saying on Facebook about Ronin, where it's been recommended by almost 200 people. A true professional, talented beyond belief. No better artist anywhere. They made getting my first tattoo a pleasurable experience. I've gone to three other local artists, but the ones at Ronin are my favorite. The tattoo gods smile upon Ronin. Come see Babak or Carlos Tuesday through Saturday from 4 p.m. to midnight. Limited walk-ins available. Shop minimum 60 bucks. Make your appointment via email at roninmemphis at gmail.com. Or head to their Facebook, Ronin Design and Manufacturing. Or call 901-371-6923. That's 901-371-6923. Friends of the OEM Network get 10% off their tattoo no matter the size. Call today.
1: Have an idea for a podcast? Email info at theoamnetwork.com today and pitch your podcast. Who's next? Barb! Barb! I love this. Welcome, everybody. Okay, change of atmosphere. In the 1960s, the late 1960s, I was always changing my atmosphere. I was using LSD and I was changing my atmosphere a lot. So, In the very beginning of 1969, it was in January, my friend Huey and I scored. We were able to buy 250 capsules of very clean LSD 25 for only $100. That was $50 me, $50 him. I had 125 hits. Now, at that time, in 1969, you could sell one of those capsules for about uh, $1.52. So I thought I was easily going to make all my money back, but, you know, it was good stuff. <laughs> it was re- I sold a few, but I thought, oh, this is going to be a great year. And it was. Huey and I also worked at Purex. Um, We worked in the factory where they boxed laundry detergent. We worked the graveyard shift. We started at 1130, and we finished at 8. So it was August 13th, 1969, I remember the date. I will never forget the date. I came into work tripping. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to change the atmosphere. But one of the things that we had to do at Purex on the late shift about every four months was we had to clean out these large cylinder bins that held the detergent that was fed into the machines. Uh, this was a crazy process. It took a uh, like six different steps, you had to start out with this air hose, with this long wand that had a very fine spray on it. And you had to spray it so that the powder would go down and, and and you just wouldn't turn the whole factory into, you know, blinding dust. Right, And then you had to turn it to middle, then you had to turn it to full. And after you were able to get all of the detergent out of these cylinders, then you had to take a hose. And you had to spray the hose in there on a very fine mist, and then a hev- heavier mist, and then full blast. And you were done cleaning, and then you would go downstairs, and clean up the mess. And that was that was took an eight, that was an eight hour job. So this one particular day, uh, we um, I'm tripping, and we come in, and they tell us you're cleaning the bins. These suckers are like 20 feet high, 10 feet in diameter, and there's three of them. The machine is, what they do for the day is they roll the machines back away from the cylinder with the big cone, and they cover them with this special tarp, protective covering. And they've moved all three machines back, covered them, then they go into the, the break room, and they play cards or sleep or do whatever they want. They have a free day off. At the end of the day, they roll the machines back, uncover them, and set everything back up. So Huey and I are on our own, and we got to clean the bins. And I said, Huey, i got an extra capsule. Let's change the atmosphere in Purex. And he said, sure, why not? Let's get the party started early. By the way, we are going on a big party trip. He and I are about to hitchhike out of town for this big party. So we get up there and we start hosing. And I go, you know what? Forget one, two, three, four, and five. Let's go full blast water. (laughs) Can you imagine these massive cylinders with all of this? laundry detergent, and I'm attacking them. Look, Huey's attacking them. Full blast water. <laughs> this stuff, man, they're foaming up and they're foaming over. And and now we're taking the air hose and blowing the bubbles down. And all we can think about is, oh, this is so cool.
2: Look at the colors!
1: Look at the color. I mean, you know what a bubble looks like, how colorful. Imagine a bubble on LSD. It was like, oh, this is so great. I wonder what it's like downstairs. Four hours. Four hours we cleaned. We just sprayed and sprayed and sprayed and sprayed. And it was lunchtime when we weren't going to eat. But we sure did want to see what was downstairs. So we go down four flights of steps. And as we get to the bottom, now we're expecting maybe knee-high, waist-high. Man, eh, it wasn't knee-high. It wasn't waist-high. So were our heads. We had filled the entire lower floor of this warehouse with bubbles! bubbles the only problem you couldn't see couldn't see your hand in front of your face it was so cool all right lsd oh it was so great look what we did someone came out of the break room back there (laughs) i said you guys don't even punch out get your asses out of here you are fired so we left We walked out. Now, you see, our work week ended on very early Friday morning at 8 o'clock. And that's when Huey and I were going to take our trip. And we thought, well, let's go a day early. Why not? Now, here's the crazy thing. If If we had not, right, if we had not done what we did, We would have never gotten to our destination had we left on Friday. Just wouldn't have gotten there. It would have been impossible to get there. So we go home, we pack our bags, we get out. Got our stash with us, got our clothes. Get out on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Put out our fingers, hold out our sign, Woodstock. Change of atmosphere. Big time, and that's what it was about. That would have never happened for me if I had not changed the atmosphere that night by taking the acid, then changing the atmosphere in Purex, and then changing the atmosphere and going a day early. I got to Woodstock because of LSD.
0: Spillit Podcast is a joint production between Spillit Memphis and the OAM Network. For more information, go to spillitmemphis.org and theoamnetwork.com.